Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World at War Comics. Thanks for joining us this week. We have another amazing guest. This week, we are speaking with Emma Kubert. Um, Emma Kubert is an amazing artist, writer, creator. Um, right now, if you go into your local comic book store, you will see issues, probably issue two, um, but you could get issue one um, because it's still fairly early. We're about a month and a half into the story. So check it out. It follows a young lady um, named Shade Whisper. Um, extremely relatable character. I think once you start to read it, you're going to be able to look at your own life and realize that a lot of shade is in us. Um, but check it out. Incredible adventure story that follows her. Um, and then um, if you're not aware, which you probably are, Emma also is the artist on Pandora, Frank Miller's um, new series, which is now finishing the first arc with issue six. She also does the artwork for Radiant Pink. So if you're a big fan of the Radiant series, um, Radiant Pink is out right now, and she is uh, working on that. Um, she did Inkblot, um, about 15 issues of Inkblot, so you should be checking that out through Image. Um, but yeah, very uh, talented um, young woman, and uh, I've had a lot of fun reading her newest comic, and her artwork is incredible. Um, so yeah, hang out with us, hang out with our conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did having it with Emma and make sure that you subscribe, like, and share on um, this episode. Without further ado, here's Emma. Thanks, everyone. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome, Emma, to the show. Really appreciate you joining us. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we we're. I was in the local comic book store. I started reading Pandora. I love Frank Miller. I think a lot of people do. I mean, he's a, a legend <laughs> in the. Who doesn't, right? <laughs> and so as he started, uh, you know, his uh, publishing um, started just putting out a bunch of different stuff. I picked up Pandora and I noticed that you were the artist on that. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. And obviously you come from a, a pretty historic family yourself. So I was I like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> and then I saw that you came out with your own uh, Stoneheart. I'm like, well, let me just reach out and just see if there's a possibility that maybe we could talk about some of the things that you're working on. You seem like you've been extremely busy for the last uh I don't know year I guess right yeah I mean well probably more the past couple years just mm -hmm. to get it it's kind of like you know you guys all hear about this stuff happening all at once that's kind of what happened with all of my books coming out at that uh -huh. time <laughs> I think in it was in December when Pandora and Radiant Pink like the Radiant, Radiant Pink, Pink mini series came out and then Stoneheart came out in March. Yeah. And like, I remember reading an article that was just like, it's probably timing, but yeah. she has three books coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it is timing, I promise. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I've been working on this stuff for uh, a long time before that. And mm -hmm. it just kind of all congregated all at one point, you know, <laughs> I think that, I think in one side, maybe that's good, right? Because I see your name on a bunch of different things. So I, I yeah. guess if you want to like bombard the comic uh, family, right, this is a good way to do it. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, my gosh, Emma's everywhere, right? And I think it's good from a marketing standpoint. I mean, I agree with that. You know, it, it's a it's a good thing for everyone. So yeah. I'm happy that it came out. All of the books that came out at that time got really good reception. So yeah. I'm really happy about that. And we'll just, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. For sure. For sure. I mean, uh, Radiant has been pretty popular for, what, three years now. And oh, yeah. so obviously you got Radiant Black, Radiant Pink. And I think it'd be pretty cool to be part of that. How, how did you... Uh, 
How did you get connected to that group? I was really lucky to yeah. be connected to that group. And it was mostly, it happened, um, I was, it was years ago, I was doing this really small convention. Mm -hmm. um, it was like in uh, Washington State. Like it was a really small one. It was on like a campground. And I really like that show too. And I like the smaller shows sometimes. Um, but um, with this particular show, I was sat next to Kyle Higgins. Mm. And at this show, since it was a bit of a smaller show, there weren't as many people around. I got an opportunity to really talk to him about all of this kind of stuff. And not only is he a great person, but we got to talking about, you know, his radiant radiant series and all that stuff and i was just like if i could get an opportunity to draw <laughs> something that would be awesome yeah and yeah was like oh, we'll think of something and then they thought of something <laughs> so <laughs> that awesome. was really i thought it was awesome i mean yeah. um and it was just like it was just when i was starting like i had inkblot out by image comics so that was going yeah. Yeah. and i it was at the time when I was kind of looking to, you know, take on new projects. And that was just a really, really good fit. And I literally just finished the fifth issue, like last week, or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that that's really exciting, because like, now it's, it's all over, it's all done. Um, yeah. I mean, the fifth issue has yet to come out. But uh no, it was it was awesome to work on. Like I really loved working on this particular project too because of the um all female team, which yeah, was really yeah. good to work awesome. with. I got to work with Megan and uh Melissa and it was just it was awesome. I mean, I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. Because like this is also something that is a part of a bigger universe that yeah. was created and it's an indie universe you know yeah. it's still superheroes but it's indie it's a new thing um and it's just really exciting to be a part of something that's bigger yeah yeah for sure a lot of the other projects that I work on I'm I'm also a creator for those projects like Pandora I <laughs> do a lot of creating for that and obviously for Stoneheart and Inkblot I'm the creator creators of the of those properties yeah. so it's just kind of nice to like be in a story where i can like add to something that's sure. already in there it's yeah. just it's a whole new way to approach things and i yeah. like i like the differences between that you know yeah. and collaboration too <laughs> absolutely yeah so i mean um from an artist standpoint and then from a writer standpoint how much relationship between those two are there? And I say that because as you're reading a comic, right, obviously you're reading the words, but the, the pictures really tell, sometimes I think more of the story than the actual writing, right? And that kind of dance that you have between the writer and the artist is extremely important for that story to come across. Um, and now I know Inkblot and then obviously Stoneheart, you did both sides, right? So what what is what are the major differences or and what are the major similarities between the two? So I'm actually talking about this in one of my classes right now. Oh, cool! For uh, well, we I don't want your students to cheat by listening to this, though, right? No, no, <laughs> okay. they know this because I already. Told okay. 
Um, but the whole thing, so I teach at the Kubert School, um, and I also teach the online courses for narrative art. And so we were literally just talking about this, that um, I always talk about what it is to be the role of the sequential artist as, in a comic book, because you have, you know, the writer, the artist, and along with the artist, you'll have the anchor, colorist, letterer, all that kind of stuff. Um, and each part of the process is all about the story. Like you are making every single decision about the story, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, comic books are a visual medium. Yeah. You know, like the, the end product isn't a prose novel that you're reading and the end yeah. product isn't like a television show that you're watching. Right. It's right. Legitimate artwork that the artist does. Yeah. So for me, I always thought it was like one of the most important parts of creating a comic book to if you, you know you have separate roles as artist and writer to mm -hmm. be as close to the writer as you possibly can. And mm -hmm. those are the projects that I found are, I guess, just the most successful in general is yeah. having a writer and an artist work very well or basically very in sync with you with each other like very side by side or you know have them be the same <laughs> yeah yeah that helps right <laughs> a little bit but i it's mostly because the storytelling that you see a lot of it comes from the visual so yeah. the artist 100 needs to know yeah. every little aspect about the story before right. they even start drawing it. And that's why I think it's just so important for them to be intertwined and like work together really well, or as I said before, be the same person. Exactly. <laughs> even though sometimes that can get a little tricky too. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I can imagine, <laughs> right? I can imagine. I mean, it's a lot to take on, right? It is. It's a lot to organize, I would say. Yeah. Um, but good thing I I'm I like I like organization. I wouldn't say I'm the most organized person ever. I'm pretty messy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, organization in general, I really like. Yeah. And I like time management. I like kind of scheduling myself. So having that all set yeah. out helps me do all the things that I do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think when it comes to comics in general, the writer and the artist really need to have that kind of, I don't want to say codependent relationship, but codependent yeah. relationship, because yeah. <laughs> that's really what it is. Like the writer right. starts it and the artist finishes it, yeah. but it kind of also just goes back and forth with each other too. Like the yeah. artist will draw something and the writer will write dialogue for that, et yeah. cetera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it can easily go back and forth. And I just always thought it needed to be a very, you know, tight relationship. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Do you have a preference? I mean, I think I know the answer just because of your history and your family history, but I could be wrong. Do you have a preference between the art side of it and then the writer side of it? Is there one that you enjoy more than the other? I like both. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's really hard to choose one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it's mostly like, as I said before, like mm -hmm. working on Radiant Pink versus like working on Pandora and Inkblot, 
it's yeah. nice to be a part of a project that I don't have to create so much for. Mm -hmm. I just have to do the drawing or yeah. the storytelling in the drawing. And that's really exciting to be able to explore a character mm -hmm. that is already established. Yeah. Um, but I would say on the other ladder, I really do love creating. <laughs> and yeah, I really yeah. do love writing. I really love creating story any way that I can yeah so it's not really like I can choose one or the other it's more like they both kind of make up what I love to do the most yeah because you know? <laughs> like I don't just like straight up writing I mean yeah. I've tried writing like other things like prose uh, novels and like yeah, yeah stuff like that and I gotta tell you I am really bad at writing description <laughs> <laughs> And and it's mostly because every time I write description, like yeah. any type of description, anything that I'm describing, I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, why why can't I just draw this? Yeah. <laughs> on the latter side, if I'm writing something and I'm writing like, let's say a comic book script and I write a page where it's like giant fight scene between giant octopus and, you know, our main protagonist and the giant mm -hmm. army is going to invade then I look at it and I'm just like, okay, now I have to draw this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, yeah. it all depends on the instance and the project that I'm working on. But yeah. I, I think all in all, just a combination of the two is really my favorite thing, my absolute favorite thing to do. Just creating yeah. stories is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely comes across. Um I think the next question, <laughs> the next question I would have is how far in advance are you working? So we know issue two of Stoneheart um, came out. I think it was last week, actually. Um, how many like issues forward are you writing and drawing? Because this is a monthly and yes. uh, yeah. that would stress me out knowing that I haven't. <laughs> and then I start to see your name on a, several different things. And it, like you said, it's probably just timing. But still, I mean, you have to be pretty far out, don't you? I am far out with Stoneheart. Okay. Um, yeah. So even before I pitched the idea, mm -hmm. I had the entire story, like start to finish. Okay. Not just the, the first arc, but the entire story. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Um, and it's mostly just because with Stoneheart, I didn't, I kind of didn't foresee making it into a comic book. It just sort of happened that way yeah. Yeah. um or at least like I got so far with the idea that I started to look at it and be like oh this could be a comic book yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but I uh I mean I would say that can, can you repeat the question again yeah no it's okay yeah like how how many issues ahead are you oh, okay, as far okay. as like we two just hit um comic book stores are you like mm -hmm. already done with like issue five and six or like oh, how far yeah. out are you as far as the comic book yeah sorry i like completely forgot as i was no like, it's okay oh, yeah no you're it, good Emma. you're good you know how that happens <laughs> oh, it happens to me all the time trust me <laughs> Like if I'm answering a question, it's just like, okay. Um, no, I'm totally finished with the first arc right oh, now. Okay. I'm just awesome. kind of putting finishing touches on the lap, the issue six. Okay. And I have all of 
the next arc all planned out so that is really just me you know rolling into that next one (laughs) and what I'm really hoping for I know that you know ongoing series it all depends on the audience so as long as there's an audience reading it Mm -hmm. I can keep creating it and I foresaw this entire series you know, however long it takes me to create it, I want to create it. Yeah. So I kind of foresaw it being, if it's a very, very long series, at least 30 issues. Uh-huh. If I could get to that 30 issue mark, then it's over. It's done. It's over. That's, That's the goal. Story. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And very so cool. I've been doing like these interviews too, and like really relaying that so yeah. that people keep reading. Yeah, and it's yeah. Just because this is one of those stories that I really, I really want to get to the end. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I want you guys to read the ending because I know a lot. Like I know how the comic book industry works. You know, yeah, it all yeah. depends. The number one always gets the most views, For and sure. then it kind of dissipates from there. And I yeah. really hope that changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I bet we all do. But yeah. Um, yeah. But I think with this particular story, it's just such a, it's a more personal kind of story that I'm telling here. So I'm literally just looking to finish it. (laughs) (laughs) I just want it to be finished because it's just one of those, I don't care how many people are reading it. If it's Mm -hmm. one person going to a comic book shop and (laughs) buying it, I'm writing that story for that one person. There you you go. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think that's a good attitude to have for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really what Stoneheart is. It's kind of, and I mean, it's in the, in the themes of it too, the tenacity and the determination that is me. And that is also (laughs) me creating the story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me to another question, right? How much of Emma is in shade? So much. (laughs) I mean, like Shade is, you know, a very rambunctious, bubbly, excitable, Uh 20-something year old. Yeah, yeah. Lots of energy. Lots lots of energy. energy. (laughs) She's kind of weird, but like in like a fun way, but you don't know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, well, there are instances where it goes really different. (laughs) Exactly. And that's like... And that's the whole thing is that she has this kind of energy yeah. that she puts out into the world, whether it can be good or bad or anything in yeah. between. And I think when I was at that particular age or even like, you know, teenage age to like mid twenties age right mm-hmm. now, I'm around how old am I? <laughs> Almost 29. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um at that age I it was really a point when I was trying to figure things out Mm -hmm. but I was also finding that um a lot of great things were happening to me while uh while my mental health was kind of declining okay and it yeah. was one of those moments where like, you know, you really couldn't figure out what was mm-hmm. going on. Like, yeah. you're just kind of like, everything is going really well for me. So why do I feel like absolute crap? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then, on the latter side of the that, you know, you don't want to act that way out 
outwardly. Yeah. So that really is what the kind of attitude Shade has is that she is confronting this world, this new world that she's going into. Right. So she's trying her best to be as happy and positive as she can. But she's an emotional wreck. So. (laughs) And there's certain instances that take place that trigger that. I don't know if you, I don't know if rage is the wrong word, but you're holding all that in, right? And then it has to come out and there's certain triggers that it does come out. I don't know if that's what you were portraying in that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. exactly. And I think that I like, I mean, as I was writing her, it really was just me writing about the problems that I was having and putting mm-hmm. it into like a character yeah. But when I was reading her, I was just kind of like, I think she's pretty relatable. You know, For most sure. people who are starting out into the world, they don't yeah. want to reveal too much about themselves because they yeah. don't know much about the world. Yeah. And so there is that kind of give and take of like, you need to figure out where you are and what you're doing and how to handle what's going on up here sure, before yeah. you can really handle a lot that's going on out there. But she's kind of just thrown into it. Yeah. So she has to figure things out mm-hmm. and herself out all at the same time yeah, while yeah. she's getting, you know, entangled into this new predicament and yeah. It's a it's a wild ride for her. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a fun ride and it is wild. And there's obviously after reading issue two, there's still a lot of questions, which is good. You want questions at the end of each uh, book, right? So oh, I can't definitely. wait for three, but it's it's been really good so far. Awesome. Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also the main thing that I wanted to present with these with the this story was that you're you want to constantly keep reading it for mm-hmm. the characters yeah it's yeah. not like the plot is you know simple it's you know the physical plot of it all it just has to do with you know the characters that are getting involved in the predicaments yeah. that she's involved in but her character herself that's why you want to keep reading mm-hmm. and that's yeah. really what i'm hoping for because she is a ball of questions and craziness <laughs> and she's super happy and it feels genuine but there's yeah. also something else going on like and you said I, I think it's very relatable i think we all yeah. like outwardly want to portray ourselves in a certain way but inwardly like we're hiding a lot of things that we don't think might be received yeah. and so yeah i think to certain extents right everybody's at different levels but i think mm-hmm. everyone can relate to that I think so too. And I try to bring that into like the other characters as well. Like mm-hmm. in the second issue, you meet Eldon Redwood. Yeah, Eldon. The, another side character and yeah. to be her buddy and everything. Um, and you'll find out more about his character and just going, you know, continuing on her journey. There'll be other characters around that you figure things out too. And yeah. And that's that's another thing that I really want you to like or the audience in general to just really engage with all of these really well-rounded characters yeah. and see themselves in them too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I can't wait. Um, it's been very enjoyable so far. Um, Emma, I wanted to ask you, um, you obviously come from a family of comic book artists, uh, quite a family. <laughs> But yes, you do. A a pretty uh, impressive family. 
when it comes to comic, and an important one within the comic industry as well. But um, you're still Emma, and I assume I you're very different from all, the rest of your family. <laughs> so, what at what point in your age did you realize I really want to go into this field? Because obviously, you were kind of born into it. Mm. from your grandfather yeah. your father your uncle i mean i think you have an aunt that does i mean there it just goes on yeah, and on yeah, it's I mean, everywhere right <laughs> so i was like but for emma specifically like when did you realize like i really want to go into this industry because i enjoy it for myself not just because of the family that i was raised in yeah um well i can just tell you you know basically that goes hand in hand with my my personal background uh-huh. so yes i was raised basically near everything so Mm -hmm. my parents raised me and my brother basically the town over from the Kubert school from my grandpa um, Mm -hmm. and from everything there so yeah not only did my dad teach at the school my mom also helped create the Joe Kubert art store so she ran the art store there as my dad was teaching my grandpa Mm -hmm. was teaching uncle as well Mm -hmm. um I've had a cousin who's gone through the school too. My other cousin is an editor at DC. Like yeah, I, yeah. I can go on, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, mm-hmm. growing up, I absolutely loved art and I loved drawing, but I didn't necessarily love comics. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I was. I mean, I was drawing ever since I could hold a pencil. Like that was something that I absolutely loved. Yeah. And even as you know a young girl i was very i was and am very proud of my family and being a part of a yeah. family that mm-hmm. that is what you described but i also just felt really special i mean yeah. i grew up in a world where you know like you're looking at the neighborhood and everyone's dad is a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or something like that yeah. and then i could say my dad's a comic book artist and John's yeah. batman yeah that's exactly cool <laughs> that's mean, pretty cool that's pretty cool i have to admit really cool. like, yeah. i felt very special to have like this yeah. kind of background um for my family so taking to drawing was very natural for me it was something that I automatically loved to do um and you know I had the family around as well but comic books weren't totally for me and it was mostly just because um at the pivotal age where you know you're thinking about what you want like I would say honestly preteens is probably the time where you're finding a direction in your life like you're realizing what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are Mm -hmm. mine I always knew I was a bit more creative than the average Mm -hmm. um and so like my dad would get boxes of comic books from DC too. And a lot of the comic books that were given, I just did not relate to them. There was mm-hmm. the ones that were like Cartoon Network or cartoons like Scooby-Doo and Powerpuff Girls, which I love to read. But, you yeah. know, that was when I was like, you know, five or six, not yeah. like 13. <laughs> right. And then... Like then there was Batman and Superman and even looking at Wonder Woman, there wasn't really a totally relatable character that I found as a preteen gal that I really liked (laughs) um, at that time. And so when I realized, you know, I don't think comics are for me, 
I kind of turned to something else and I turned to animation. And the reason why I turned to animated films and television and wanting to learn animation was because I would watch all of these animated movies and television shows that felt like they were made for everyone. Like Mm. it wasn't just like they were made for one particular audience. Mostly, yes, they were made for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like watching, you know, like let's say Pixar movies, Mm -hmm. you would see a six-year-old and a six-year-old in the movie theater watching a Pixar film and both are sobbing their eyes out. Exactly, yeah, for sure. Those were the kind of stories that I really wanted to tell was something that everyone could enjoy. And so comics just didn't feel like, like, especially, especially in the way that I was exposed to them. And it was only mostly through Western comics Mm -hmm. that I felt like, you know, there wasn't really a place for everyone. There Mm -hmm. was a very kind of uh, divided audience Mm -hmm. in our industry at that time. So I went to school, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design for animation first, right Mm -hmm. after high school. Um, Two years in, I dropped out of (laughs) college for animation. And it was mostly because one, I didn't want to animate, I didn't like the animation, like animated physically, because that really bored me. (laughs) Um, And And then I realized that I wanted to do more of the pre-production stuff. I wanted to do more storyboarding, more concept art, character design, whatever pre-production really implies. Um, And that was really also more of the spot that like creates the story. Yeah. So from there, I was kind of looking at my college career. I was looking at what I was doing and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to get good enough here. So I left college and I went back home. I went to the Kubert school mm-hmm. at that time because I was just like, I called my dad up. I was just like, dad, I think I have to go home. I think yeah. I have to go to the Kubert school. And he was just like, this is deja vu because he did the same thing around <laughs> my age that he went to college and then he called up his dad and was like, I don't think I like it here. <laughs> so it was very much deja vu for him, but yeah went home I went to the Kubert school and even when I was going through the Kubert when I was going to the Kubert school the year prior I actually did an internship at DC Comics Mm. Uh, it was in their manufacturing uh department so I wasn't really I wasn't doing art like I wasn't even editing or anything it was more just like I was doing corrections before the uh the stories went to print and okay. my boss gave me an omnibus of Amanda Amanda Connors and Jimmy Palmiotti's Harley Quinn and that's um, also around the time when she was starting to get really popular yeah and yeah so as I was going over this omnibus he was like you probably want to read that too and I'm like probably <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started to read it as well as I was like correcting it and it was one of the first times that I started to read a character, like a superhero character in mainstream superhero comic medium that wasn't, I can't say that she's totally relatable at this point. Right. But back then when there weren't a lot of characters like her, 
Mm-hmm. She was someone that I thought I could take to. Like yeah. she had a crazy personality. Yeah. She wasn't so much of a hero, of course, but she right. also wasn't totally a villain. Yeah, like, she could she be, like, right? She could be almost yeah, right. <laughs> like, she's kind of like she has her own agenda. You yeah, know, like yeah. she's mostly a villain, but like not yeah. the baddest of villains. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. And like then, you know, she started to become friends with Poison Ivy. And I was yeah. just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is what I want. This is yeah. what this these are the kind of stories I wanted to tell was of a kooky character. Yeah living their life and just doing all this stuff and I was just like okay like so she's becoming a lot more popular so that probably means that you know other things like this are gonna come up too for sure and you know lo and behold they did (laughs) we're in the time right now yeah yeah. diversity is key and and that was really something that sparked my interest. So when I was going to the Kubert school, the first year, it's a three-year program. The first year I was like, okay, I'm still going to do storyboards. I'm still going to do concept art. Second year, I was like, okay, I'll go into this comics thing. But, you know, I'm, I'll work with a writer. I'll try yeah. to do, you know, like I'll try for DC and Marvel and anything else, like any other company that I could get. And then third year, um, our teachers forced us to create our own story ideas and I've always wanted to create my own stories but yeah. I've always been very fearful very scared very vulnerable about yeah. it so being forced to in an assignment yeah. that was really annoying but <laughs> it worked <laughs> out very well and yeah. it was because my third year at the cure school that is when I created the beginnings of Inkblot mm. and so that was kind of like you know like as the times were changing while I was going through school and I was figuring out what direction I wanted to go in, mm-hmm. things were kind of shifting in that direction. Yeah. So I was happy to see that, you know, things that I liked in the comic industry started to get more prevalent yeah. and more creators were starting to become a little bit more diverse. And yeah. so that meant the audience became a little bit more diverse. Sure, yeah. And it finally felt like there was somewhat of a place for the kind of yeah. stories and the kind of things I wanted to draw yeah. to be in the comics industry. Yeah. Um, so then that was when I was just like, okay, I think I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I tried it and I tried to go for it because yeah. again, drawing stories has always been something that was with me, but drawing mm-hmm. comic books. I just felt like there wasn't totally a place for my own art and my own work within that industry. Yeah. It's the industry that I grew up with. Um, And so I'm really happy that nowadays we have the industry breaking a bit more open. They have talent searches for um, other kind of creative people. And it, it's just, you know, it really works out and it helps me grow as an artist too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, the ease, not that it's cheap, but the ease of creating your own comic book um, has really opened it up, you know, opened up doors to a lot of people that are creative, but maybe didn't have the way. I mean, now, I mean, you have comic Wellspring and Kablam yeah. and 
So, I mean, you could put something together and you could print it yourself and you could do a Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And all of a sudden we're getting all these amazing stories that uh, I I just don't think we would receive unless um, the industry made it that easy to bring some of these stories forth. So some of the funnest, uh, most unique things that I've read, I just go on Kickstarter. I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. And then I get it. I'm like, wow, that's really good. Right. I, I totally agree. I think that's one of the reasons why I took to like, uh, image and indie comics a little bit more. I mean, honestly, starting out, you know, as a, as a freelancer, uh-huh. you just want to get your hands on anything. For like sure, you're yeah. just grasping draw- straws on anything. And it's not yeah. just because, you know, like you want to draw something, but it's because you want to make money. Like you yeah. want to. I mean, you know, what's funny is we have bills, right? And those still have to get paid. Exactly. <laughs> they get in the and, way, but they're there. And so like in the beginning, when I first graduated, I was really just grasping at any straws that sure. I could get ahead hold of like I wanted to really get myself in there and find a place for me and so as I was grasping at those straws that's how a lot of things came to be like with Inkblot I basically sent my portfolio around to a list of like 20 plus emails Mm -hmm. just being like look at it please yeah anything a five page a 10 page story anything and this was kind of like the like a final feel for me it was like it was like I was uh really putting it into the atmosphere and I got one email back (laughs) and that was from Eric Stevenson oh wow and he was just like this is great do you want to work with the writer or do you want to create your own thing? And I'm like, both. Yes. Anything like I'll do anything, please. Yeah. And so he's like, all right, we'll talk in a week. And that was when I turned to my partner, Rusty. Um, uh-huh. And I was just like, okay, we have a week to come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> so I like turned to like the old projects that I had and he was looking at his old projects and yeah, we took the old project that I had that was the start of Inkblot. He was reading some really high fantasy stuff at that time. So mm-hmm. that's how we kind of combined the two and created oh, that's cool. Inkblot. That's, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I mean, Image Comics is, they're kind of the foundation for uh, indie comics, right? I mean, I not to take away from IDW and some of the other ones that have been around a long time, but Image brought that that whole side of the industry to the forefront and yeah. kind of made it possible for a lot of people to uh you know become a creator without having to go through the big two which is very difficult to do right and then you're yeah. taking on characters that have years and years of canon so you're kind of limited and um again i, I love that i love keeping the canon you know i don't want to see batman get powers or anything like that right um <laughs> but it limits it right as a creator it and does. Um, that makes it a little bit difficult and I get that side too. So yeah, I'm super happy for you and I'm glad that the image was there to take you on. And I I think that's amazing. And, uh, it sounds like you'll be doing this for a long time. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I am because I really love creating stories a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that I can continue to keep doing it which yeah. i am right now so yeah you're doing it you're doing it now you're doing, <laughs> doing it so amazing. it's happening <laughs> you have a, a very unique artistic style 
that if I see, like when I saw Stoneheart and I saw your name on it, I knew right away this was your art only because of what you've done with Pandora. And it reminds me of, um, what's his name that did Invincible? Um, Ryan Otley. I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Otley, but anything <laughs> that he does, you know it's Ryan Otley. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you have a very unique style, So and so does he. So when I see an, a Hulk issue, and I know it's his artwork, I could, I could see it right away, right? And I, I think that's pretty awesome, too, that you have such a great style. I was... I'm very specific about how I draw and it's mm -hmm. because like since I'm a teacher I can honestly see how people develop themselves as artists and yeah. I've thought about it this way myself and I've seen people like especially comic book artists and commercial artists um there's two ways that I've seen people really grow very quickly as artists mm -hmm. one way was is that they usually take one or two artists that they like and that they're inspired by yeah and they really just study from those specific artists like mm -hmm. they want to draw exactly like them or very similar to them so they learn through that artist the other way that i found is that um and it, this way, honestly, I think it takes longer, but it mm -hmm. has more longevity to it. Mm. Is that if you're learning all of the foundations of drawing, like all of the basic foundations, perspective, light, lighting, form, shape, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and you're combining that with your inspirations, with what, what you like, and you're combining it with drawing from life that's how you're really able to start creating your own mm. way of doing things. Yeah. And it definitely takes a, a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, I think when I was going through school, I knew that I didn't, I, my strengths didn't lie in drawing traditional, like comic book mm -hmm. superhero looking stuff. That's yeah. what my dad did. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I do not draw like him. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. is yeah, up different. here and I am just here. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it was just kind of like I had to kind of pivot and find mm -hmm. my own way of how to implement all of the things that I like and all the things that I'm inspired by yeah. to create how I draw. And so I thought one of the I guess the unique things about me is that I got, I came from learning about animation and being inspired by a lot of animators and a lot of artists that are in the animation industry. Mm -hmm. But I'm also inspired by comic book artists that are on like the absolute opposite side of the spectrum of animation mm -hmm. or like like drawing style wise animation mm -hmm. like I 100% took to Frank Miller's stuff yeah, when yeah. I was in high school sure, um, yeah. Mike Mignola is another one that yeah. I really absolutely love um yeah. I referenced Alex Toth and Alex Raymond a whole lot in uh when I'm drawing and mm -hmm. so those artists look nothing like you know pixar artists or right, glenn right. Tate, who is animating you know the beast from beauty and the beast over here like yeah they yeah did not look alike <laughs> at all at all right yeah. my kind of goal was to just find a way to 
combine those mm-hmm. two things because I love both. Yeah. I love how they both have things to offer mm-hmm. in that. So I wanted to take more of the movement and the expressions and I guess the form of everything from animation while taking the storytelling and the contrast and the lighting and the rendering from, you know, the comic book yeah, yeah. that I love and just combining those two and finding a specific way to do things. Now, that being said, I do kind of go to each project and each story and I do, you know, I'm just kind of like, okay, how am I going to approach this particular project? Wow. How am I going to do it this way? But yeah. as a whole, for my particular style, I really wanted to have a very distinct way of people recognizing me. And I think having things that are so opposite yeah. put together really helps that out. I'm still figuring it out, though. So. Yeah, well, for sure, right? And I, I think over time, right, there might be small changes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it definitely comes across. I mean, you, you definitely have a, a really amazing style, and uh, I really enjoy your artwork for sure. Ah, thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, we talked about Stoneheart. We know that you're uh, you're working on. Um, I said I think you just mentioned that you were on issue six, and you're tightening that one up. What other things um, that you can share that you're also working on that maybe people aren't too aware of? Um, or are you kind of engrossed right now with teaching and everything else? Um, I would say that right this second, I'm a little bit more engrossed with the projects that I'm on right now. Yeah, yeah. We're finishing up the first arc, so issues one through six will be out. Yeah, and I think the trade is coming in July, so the trade for Pandora, uh, arc one will be coming out, and then arc two is gonna follow shortly after yeah um and same with for stoneheart i'm just as i said i'm doing stoneheart for as long as i possibly can issue Um, 30 issue 30 (laughs) (laughs) but we'll see we'll see yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um but my other stuff i mean there's not really so much i can talk about i have that has issues 1 through 15 out that's currently on a hiatus um but I know that me and Rusty definitely want to go back to it. And I have some just other things that are out too. Like Mm -hmm. I have uh, my web comic that's on Topis called Brushstroke. Brushstroke, Um, I saw that, yeah. And I I can't list all the stuff that I've done so far. (laughs) There's other stuff out there. There's other stuff too. Where can people find most of your stuff, Emma? Like you have your own website, right? I have my own website, emmacubert.com, but yep. I also post a lot about my stuff on social media. Yeah. So mostly Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And sometimes I post on TikTok. I'm trying to be, you know, more active on there. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, honestly, you can just follow me on social media at emmacubert and you can find out all this stuff yeah. Um, if you follow me. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Well, Emma, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time um, for me today to go over this. I'm super excited to have met you. I'm a big fan of your your artwork and now your writing too, because Stoneheart is really my first uh, entrance into the the Emma world that you've created. And it's a really fun read. If you haven't read Stoneheart, 
you're really missing out. I think it's extremely relatable and uh, it's really fun. It's a really fun um, book to read. I like to, you know, present fun stories that yes. get really intense at some points. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us and I wish you the very best. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Have a good one. <laughs>